Hi, hello, hello, hi, and welcome to All Our Hearts and Minds. Thank you again for tuning in. We're here to discuss all things that have been on our hearts and minds. The good, the bad, the concerning, and uplifting. But just straight talk. We're your hosts, Kimmy, our passionate heart. Yeah, yeah. And me, Jeanette, our mind and chronic overthinker. Let's get into it. Let's please. Okay. So Mm -hmm. today we're recording on Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I just want to start by wishing my host, my co-host, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, you too, my dear. You too. And um, how was your week? You you know, I know you probably celebrated uh, yesterday and everything, but how, how was the week in general for you? Yeah, like, you know, West Indian people, we like it on the Sunday, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of West Indian people do that, and so we're no different. And so usually we have it on a Sunday, you go to church, you come home, you get the food all prepared, and you enjoy it. I had a very, very nice dinner. My mom, you know, put together, I helped her. and um, But every year she has awesome dinners, mm-hmm. you know. It's unfortunate that me and the rest of my family couldn't get together, but it was, it was nice nonetheless. And I'm just thankful to be here and, you know, recording and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, but all in all, it was pretty good. The week itself before Thanksgiving, yeah, Monday and Tuesday was a total shit show. Like, just forget it. Um, oh no, one of those. I hate those. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those because our, our server, we were having issues with our server, so... Mm-hmm. I went in on the Monday to the office, so I was better, but working from home where we have to access our server, it was, it was just a nightmare. Like I literally wanted to take the tower (laughs) of the computer and throw it off of the balcony that I sit right across from. I was very tempted, but I did it because not my property. Okay. And so, (laughs) and uh, yeah, but all in all, it was all right. All in all, I can't complain. How about you? Yeah, the week was, um... Yeah, it was pretty good, aside from, um, you know, nothing major, aside from the six hours that Facebook went down, I think, uh, which wasn't a huge disaster for me, but, you know, companies, I think most companies that have a, that spend a lot of money on Facebook or, you know, rely on Facebook to communicate with their audiences, it was a little bit stressful that day, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was only six hours. We we lived, so the, the world didn't burn down. We were okay. Right? <laughs> and then, um, yeah, for, as for Thanksgiving, yeah, like, yeah, yesterday we had the whole fan band there, and it was so much food. Oh, my gosh. It's like, we need to, like, streamline this next year. This is just too <laughs> much. There's so many different proteins. I yeah. uh, I did something new. I brought like I normally do appetizers, but instead of just my uh, crab dip, I also did a a mushroom stuffed mushrooms. I tried stuffed mushrooms, which was a, which was a hit. So I think I'm gonna just start dabbling in that next time we have like our little family dinners or whatever. <laughs> but otherwise, it's pretty good. Thank God. Yes, that's awesome. I'm gonna try them stuffed mushrooms, though. Yeah. Might want to send on a recipe. Yeah, but... sure, for sure. <laughs> For sure. You know, I had to do my little freeze. You know, sometimes when you look you at a recipe. You have to freestyle. I know, it's yeah. true. No, sometimes true. I look up a recipe. I'm like, okay, this is great. This is good guidance. But there's some things that they do that I'm like, that's not a flavor palette that I would appreciate. Or look, if I add this, I think this would be better. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you, if you dabble in cooking, you can look at a recipe and see what is completely essential and what you could can do with or without. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's like... 
I'm telling you, I came up with um, uh, jerk chicken stuffed bell peppers. Mm, no, you need to tell me about that one. Yeah, yeah. So just quickly, quickly, mm, because... Yeah. So basically what it is, okay, so you marinate your chicken. Mm -hmm. You could do whatever you want. I prefer dark meat because it has more flavor. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so season that up. I leave it for the, you know, overnight. Then the next day I cook it. I cook it in the oven and then I pull it apart Mm -hmm. and I put it in like, um, I don't want to say it's like a a rice, but I mix it up into the rice and I also put chunks of the... uh, other bell peppers like i'll put bell peppers in the bell pepper mixture Mm -hmm. yeah and then put it in with a little bit of cheese just Mm -hmm. a little bit just enough to bind it yeah and um put it in the oven just so i want you i'm telling you because the jerk seasoning that's on the actual chicken Mm -hmm. it's so flavorful it you know you could put whatever vegetables that you want in the rice mixture yes um, I just, like you said, I just elevated a recipe for stuffed bell peppers. And so I made it with jerk chicken instead. I mean, I don't have the drum and all of that. I just <laughs> have an oven. You understand? So, you know, bake off your chicken and, you know, I like to bake the chicken separately because mm-hmm. I prefer it that way. And the recipe that I found was for like ground beef. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, nah. We're going to take this up a yes. notch. Typically, it's ground beef. Yeah, because I was thinking when you said the rice, I'm like, yeah, that's usually the stuffed peppers. They do it with uh, ground beef. They do yeah, it with it ground a lot. beef and rice. It's very so, heavy. I, right? And mm-hmm. so I elevated it with the chicken and then the seasoning, the peppery flavors mixes in. And to one time I even did rice and peas, mm-hmm. put the, ch- the jerk chicken in Ooh, it with some vegetables. I and like then that remix. Just to put a little bit, a little bit of cheese, just to put it in the oven so that it will kind of stick and bind together. Mm-hmm. And wow, so let's good. just say that. Wow. Okay. Like I was amazed by myself, but you know what? When you have the basics of how to cook, yes. it's like a world to explore. Exactly. Like, so that was our recipe, our recipe moment. Our here. recipe. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> okay. So let's get into headlines. So um, I want to start our headlines with talking about a big faux pas or a big, there's been a lot of people talking online about this high fashion faux pas that has happened. And this year, I feel like every other year, fashion does something that's very degrading and disgusting. Yeah, they try to create buzz. In, in portraying different cultures, whether it's black culture, Asian culture, Middle Eastern culture, they they do these full pause where sometimes you're right. I think sometimes I'm like, they must know better. They must know no, better. No, they know better. Like if it's a yearly thing, Jeanette, you didn't learn from last year? It's it is. Every other school. year it's different brands, but <laughs> this brand. No, but still, like you hmm. didn't learn? You didn't learn anything from that? I think like, it's from... I, yeah, like you said, I think it's, they know. I think they, they, they know there's somebody in there that knows, but they want the talk and the impressions and people, you want, they want their name, people talking about their brand. Doesn't it work? Well, like, people are talking about that's the thing, is that we're talking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we will talk about their brands. Now, the difference between you and I and some would be, I'm not purchasing it then. Yeah, but let me get into what, um, so... For this for this year's uh, fashion faux pas, it's Givenchy, and uh, everybody, um, you know, one somebody uh, uh, an account I follow on Instagram is called Diet Prada, really good account, 
And they are really good. They're really into, obviously, you could tell from the name that they're really into high fashion. But something else that they're, they're really into, like, social justice and calling out things and supporting different communities that are being um, discriminated against, whether in pop mm-hmm. culture and stuff like that. And Givenchy, they highlighted how Givenchy had in their spring-summer uh, show in, um, in Paris, um, the model is wearing, like, a noose-like necklace. So even if you want to say it's not a noose, it's a hanging rope. So two things. Suicide, I think it's a triggering for suicide. And I think it's also triggering for the African-American um, community. So it's kind of disgusting. Like, you could make a necklace. The necklace is so basic, but this is what you wanted to do to make it stand out. Kind of gross. Um, and it was also compared to the there's similarities between the noose necklace um, from the Bearberry hoodie from fall 2019 so this year it's given she, but tw- fall twenty nineteen it was Burberry. Yeah, and Burberry. It, I was gonna say Burberry did it as well. So and you'd think, as Di Prada, as Di said, you'd think the industry would have learned not to put things that resemble nooses around the models' necks. Really makes you want wonder how no one noticed. And like I said, I don't really wonder. I, I am starting to think it's on purpose. I definitely think it's on purpose, Jeanette. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> it's planned and it's plotted. So. Mm, okay. It very much so is because they want to create buzz. Mm-hmm. And once they create buzz, then people want to go at least go and see it, right? They'll go or, on the, yeah, the very least. At the very least, the they're going to want to see it. And then mm-hmm. the people who want to ha- be, you know, have a public statement, mm-hmm. you know, are going to buy it. They're going to buy it. Well, I don't um, know. Well, maybe. I, pe- I, for one, am not going to put a noose around my neck. No. And I find they typically will pull pull the product. Um, but the thing, like you said, somebody before the, all the news came on, somebody maybe already bought it, but like you said, it's like they're getting traffic to their site. So maybe people won't buy it, but they might buy, they might buy something else. And that's probably probably the tactics there. But anyway, given she tighten up, get it together. The whole fashion industry, like actually tighten up Mm -hmm. because it's so obvious and blatant in people's face now. And it's almost a, um, like at first it was disrespectful, but mm-hmm. now they're trying to make this a trend or something. Because I don't understand, you know, brand after brand after brand doesn't catch on. Like one brand is ripped to shreds, the rest of them should get what's good, but yeah. they're not. So yeah. I feel as though it is purposely being done and that they are trying to create some sort of a trend based off of the hardship of black people. So um, I won't be supporting it. Okay, let's go on to... Um... There's so popular Afrobeats artist, one of my favorite artists, Tiwa Savage. Um, mm. She was in the news um, because she was at um, Power 105 talking about um, somebody blackmailing her and threatening to release a video, which a sex tape, aka, and you know how she was being blackmailed and how she's kind of going through that process. Um, but she, how she describes it as, I'm not going to call it a sex tape, but it's a tape between me and the person I'm dating right now. So very intimate, personal images or video that shouldn't be shared with the world, right? So the unnamed black, so the blackmailer basically got the footage after her boyfriend posted it on accidentally. I don't know. I don't know about this. Accidentally posted it on Snapchat, although he quickly deleted it. When he realized his oh, error, it has already like, been. Everybody feels like delete. You press this button and it it's had gone. already been caught by a third party. Yeah, the minute you put it in, upload it anywhere. The second that you push send or yeah, enter, it's in the it's stratosphere. 
deal. So she outlined how they kind of contacted her manager and her manager was kind of leaning towards giving that person what they wanted. And so her response was, she said, I'm not going to have somebody blackmail me for doing something that is natural. I'm that crazy and I could put it out myself. You're not going to make mon any money off of this. I'm like, yes, girl, don't let anybody yes. turn you into no slave or you be no slave. No, because the second you do that to one, you're going to have a whole trail load of people coming after you. That's exactly what she said. You have to set the said. example and accept the example straight. You're not going to bully me into doing this nonsense. You're not going to do it. You're just mm -hmm. not going to bully me. But kudos to you, girl. Stand yeah. strong. Stand in your truth, girl. We're supporting you. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Dave Chappelle, did you get a chance to watch his latest special? I have not, but I have okay. heard some sassy things about it. Some sassy, yeah. So... Um, his special came out, um, I believe it was October 5th, so it was in the middle of the week there, and uh, I watched it the following day. Um, but of course, there was lots of backlash, lots of backlash, and I guess I could see, I, I I could see where where the backlash is coming from. There's been a lot of like groups um, asking, uh, calling for Netflix Netflix to take it down. And I think, understandably, we under need to understand that anybody, like, and I, it's something I understand in terms of content and publishing, is when they made this huge 60 million plus deal with Dave Chappelle for the past four or five specials, or six special, I don't remember the number, but whatever. It was a certain amount of numbers of specials, and this is the last one. That's why it's called The Closer. They had an idea of what they were going to get when they decided to pay this man all this money. No. Yeah, well, I, I would think so. I would think so. You so, don't just hand over $60 million and don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> right? And so Netflix has had a lot of internal and extent, external pressure to take down um, the special. and yeah. yeah, exactly. And so his, their CEO, Ted Sarandos, has addressed their staff members and they actually released an article that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share, right? So in his memo to their, his, uh, their top 500 employees at the company, he said, Chappelle is one of the most popular stand-up comedians today, and we have a long-standing deal with him. His last special, Sticks and Stones, also controversial, is our most watched stickiest and most award-winning stand-up special to date as with our other talent we work hard to support their creative freedom even though this means there will always be content on netflix some people believe is harmful and he stated examples i want to mention this and i'll get your thoughts after he referenced netflix content including cuties the sundance film um, which a lot of people were talking about because it hypersexualized children, it, which in turn accused of promoting lewd images of minors, the teen suicide drama 13 Reasons Why, and the unscripted series My Unorthodox Life about a fashion ex executive leaving the Orthodox Jewish Orthodox faith. And um, so essentially what I got from this is, you know, they respect their talent, whether they're script writers, directors, and now stand-up comedian who obviously owns their material that they perform. It's like, we're not always going to agree, but we believe in something about this content made us sign a deal with them to distribute it on our platform. And we understand some people are upset, but there's also some people appreciate the fact that this content is is available for them to to stream or watch. So, what did you what do you what are your thoughts on that? First, I wanted to say Netflix doesn't give not one damn about the rest of the people who have something to say about 
Dave Chappelle show or any of those other shows that you listed because you have a a right you have a choice Mm -hmm. you can either sign up for Netflix and not watch that seeing that there's hundreds of movies Mm -hmm. sitcoms and all sorts of things to do on Netflix so therefore Netflix doesn't really care but in terms of publicity yes they're gonna have to put out their statement and they're gonna have to act like they give a shit but at the end of the day they sign these people for a reason they signed them because it was a controversial issue yep. that they definitely wanted to push so that they can gain more viewers mm-hmm. bottom line it comes so down to a bottom line if yeah. you don't want to support Netflix then get off of it very simple like people seem to I, I there's a trend nowadays mm-hmm where people seem to think that everybody else makes their choices for them. Mm. Like Netflix makes your choice for you to be a Netflix user, to watch this or not watch it. You have a choice as a consumer. You don't have to have Netflix. There's so many other outlets. I know Netflix is one of the bigger ones. I get it. However, you sign up knowing that this is not on regular schmegular TV. You sign up knowing that you op- you opted for this service. You opted. Thank you. You opted for it. So if you decide that you don't want to support them, then just stop your membership. People have power in their dollar. And mm-hmm. you really need to start utilizing that. Also, you have power in your choices. Nobody has to make... Is anybody in your living room while you're there with your popcorn in tow <laughs> telling you to watch this? No. Nope. So don't. Yeah, and it, it sucks because you you're trying to get, like you said... You have the option of not selecting either to subscribe or watch. And you have the option, but why are you taking that option away for other people who may be interested in consuming it for whatever reason? And that's why I'm saying Mm -hmm. people seem there's this trend that has been happening as of, you know, I'd say the last five years or so I've been noticing. Everybody's expecting somebody else to make their decision easier for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you make a decision to sign up and pay money for Netflix. That's your decision. That's your money coming out of your pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't have to, but now that you're on it, you want to regulate it. You want to be able to tell Netflix what they can and can't do. And at the end of the day, this is Netflix's multi-million, almost multi-billion dollar business. More in the billions now. Well, especially with this COVID thing going on and everybody on lockdown, I can see they're in their billions easy, Mm -hmm. but they don't really care because there's a lot of other people who will stay on Netflix because they like watching this or their kids like watching that. Mm -hmm. Whatever the choice is, it's still a choice to be made. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why everybody's waiting for Netflix to make it for them. Yeah, exactly. You can. That's what I just don't get, Mm. you know, but it's not just Netflix. It's a, it's a variety of issues that have popped up in our culture, in our society. And it's just, but do you not realize that you have choices and decisions to make? Like, if it really bothers you that much, you know? And if you want to make a real statement to a place like Netflix, if people were, you know, shutting down their accounts in droves, Mm -hmm. then maybe Netflix would care about, you know, who they decide as their talent. Exactly. But they don't. They don't. And so 
It's a nice statement, Netflix. That's great. You know, whoever's job that was, they're on point. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think you're fair. They acknowledge that they acknowledge they don't ignore people's concern, but they also acknowledge but you know their I don't policies. even see it should be a concern. <laughs> well, I mean they still didn't disregard it. So I think a part No, of, they didn't. And mm-hmm. they're not going to because they're a business first. Yeah, exactly. Right? So okay, and that's it. I would, you know, I I watched it. I would say it's um uh six and stone was definitely Definitely more LOLs, more bust out laughing content. Mm-hmm. But the closer he did, I definitely, there was a couple of times where I did an LOL. But he's saying a lot about society and as usual, I think he is actually an amazing storyteller that happens yes. to be funny. And, he is. And so sometimes people, if you're just looking for ha 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 nonsense, maybe it might not be as funny to you. But I think he's giving you those laughs, those jokes. But he's also giving you something to ponder and to think about and, 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 and really inspect with a 360 angle. So, yeah. So, moving on. Uh, Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady, I brought... I want. I, who would think that Wayne Brady would be in our headlines? But I just thought really this was... Truly. I thought this was just really different. So, yes, I did too. Yes, <laughs> so I did too. So, Wayne Brady made news. He was... People were talking about him last year during the um, pandemic because he had decided to quarantine not only with his 16-year-old daughter, but with his ex-wife, who he has that daughter with, along with his ex-wife's boyfriend. So they all quarantined together with their pets and stuff like that. So that was that was interesting. That's that's very, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's very that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, so fine. I kind of get it because it's like, for him... It's like, because he probably didn't want to quarantine by himself. Maybe he wasn't in a relationship, but he wants to be with his child. But the mother is not going to want to not be away from their child. So it's a way for them both as parents, as co-parents, to be with their child around this time where there is, like, huge lockdowns in California. And obviously she's in a relationship. Her boyfriend's not going to want to be away from her. So I could kind of see that. I could kind of see how that, like, snowballed into that situation, I guess. Um, but now, his, <laughs> but now his wife and his ex-wife and her boyfriend have decided to adopt a baby, and um, he—they're living their best life in his house. Stop. Let me tell you. Let me tell Stop. you. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a. You know what? I didn't even go there. That is. That is. I. You know what? That's what it is. Sorry. What it is. <laughs> They're living their best life. On this man's dime in his house. Like, stop. Brady, you need something to do. You need a woman or something, bro. So he went, Wayne Brady went onto his Instagram with the adopted baby that his ex-wife and her boyfriend got. And he said, his caption wrote, Hey, y'all, meet Sonny. I love this little man already. He's going to call me Dunkle. Daddy slash uncle. No. Yeah, because I plan on being around and doing all that stuff. They say no, t- uncle will wait. cut it. <laughs> they say it takes a village to raise a child, and they're right. I'm honored to be in his life as his uncle, and I love Mandy and Jason for including me in their journey. And now, what, what I-, I will tell you, because <laughs> when I heard this story, I was like, Jeanette, is this a joke? It's so weird. <laughs> this is so out left. Like, I don't even know. Mm. But OK, what I will say are positives is that they are mature enough mm-hmm. adults mm-hmm. where they can co-parent successfully yeah. for the betterment of their child. Mm-hmm. I understand that. She's your ex-wife. Mm hmm. You know, we need to take that into consideration. 
Yes. Um, you know what her, you know what her special face looks like. Okay. Yes. yes. You know her body. <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? Like you're just. It's too close for comfort for me. Yes. Um, I understand with the kids, and like I said, that's. Do you mean from the point of view from her boyfriend, her current boyfriend? But here's the thing. I don't know how comfortable. Forget all these men. I'm gonna talk about the woman. Okay. Okay. That's the perspective I'm coming from because that's the first thing that kind of came to my mind. I was like, "Girl, (laughs) really? So you have the downstairs, and you're sexing up your man, and your ex man is upstairs, bro." Really? Mm-hmm. Like this is what we're doing now? So I thought about it from her perspective and I and I the only thing I could come up with is awkward. Mm-hmm. Like what if I just wake up like like just too much. You know yeah. what I mean? It's too much. Like your ex and it's not just an ex-boyfriend or an ex you know lover or whatever. No, it's your mm-hmm. ex-husband that you were committed to. Mm-hmm. And now you have this boyfriend and you're just popping out children and he's taking you in and living in the house and I think it's uh, um also can be confusing for the trial mm-hmm. because you you're calling yourself Dunkel? Nah bro that's a little for me the the boundaries but the boundaries of were already they're ready yeah, they're blurred before the park from the time they moved the moving <laughs> truck up to his house. Well okay, now no, well I want to correct I wanna make sure it's clear that now since the uh, lockdown is done, so she just lives next door now. They she they that, don't live so in the same house. So why didn't they do that to begin with? They don't live in the same house now, but um but she's right they now done that to begin with. Yeah, but now that the baby's here I think it would be their their boundaries would be weird. Like you said, the mom a mom's a mom, but I feel in this situation there's two male figures. It's very and, yeah, it's I don't very know. Confusing. Mm-hmm. Not and I will include the mom in that because when the baby, who's my daddy? So when they're looking, they're looking daddy and mommy, mm-hmm. but there's two men standing beside her. He's Dunkle. <laughs> no, but Dunkle would imply that you're a dad, mm. but you're not. You see how the confusion starts. You see, like you're, you're the name itself, Dunkle. You're calling yourself a dad and an uncle, mm-hmm. but you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not his dad at all, and you're not his uncle. So why can't he just call you Wayne hmm. or you know whatever nickname you want to give yourself? Well, I think you mean you name the reason. I think a lot of money. Maybe this adoption is even possible with his money. <laughs> well, they're living their best life in his house, so it, of course they're living know, his best like, life on his money. Their best life on his money. Well, yeah, mm. pretty much. And he's sitting by, you know, I mean, it is a mature idea. I just think that there's a lot of things that could go left with that. Mm. And maturity, you know, will go so far, but it's a good idea to have separate situations. This is your dad's house. This is your mom's house. This is, you know what I mean? If you're no longer to be together, especially if there's another man that's thrown in the loop. And if Wayne decides to go about and get a girlfriend, that's even more confusion for the little little baby. Maybe the big grown daughter, she's okay. She understands the dynamics, but- This might be impacting him getting a girlfriend. Like if you're a woman- Well, I know for sure I wouldn't be dating you with your ex-wife and her boyfriend in your house with their new baby. Nah. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) let's move on. Um, Well, congrats to them on that baby, but I don't know. Congratulations on the new bundle of joy. Yeah. So on to music news. 
So they announced the Super Bowl halftime show um, a couple weeks ago, I think. And um, it's going to be hosted in Inglewood, California. So, of course, they brought out all the Cali superstars. Dr. Dre. So the headliners are Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and to break up all that testosterone, Miss Mary J. Blige. Yes. And knowing these shows, they usually bring out, they might bring out a few guest stars, but this, this mm-hmm. headline this headline already is crazy. This is mm-hmm. crazy. And what so, remember mm-hmm. that uh, Jay-Z was, has creative control over the who performs on the Super, uh, uh, Super Bowl every year because um, his company, Rock Nation, has a partnership with the NFL and Pepsi. So he has a lot of, I think he has all the influence on who performs at the uh, halftime shows at the Super Bowl. And um, something that I was thinking is like, all these, but a couple years ago, two, three years ago, because of the whole Colin Kaepernick, black performers, a lot of black performers weren't really comfortable with accepting an offer to perform at Super Bowl because of what they've done, what they did to Colin Kaepernick. But it looks like it looks like black people aren't mad at the NFL anymore. And I think Jay-Z was a huge part. Like, some people are upset with Jay-Z for that partnership, but Jay-Z was definitely a big part in getting more, getting black performers to perform at the Super Bowl again. Um, what do you think of the lineup? I would say, huh, it's just funny how quickly black people will change their mind. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, when it was all happening where it was boycott the NFL and all of this, I was thinking, here's a place where we can actually make a strong difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think a strong difference was being made. Mm-hmm. And as much as it was controversial that Jay-Z, you know bought parts of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good, a, a, a smart move. It was, it was. I, agree. I thought it was not just business and money, but I thought it was a smart move to have Hopefully. people that look like us and who have, he, he got it out the mud just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And he can now represent us at that table. Yeah. That we were never represented at before. Not even to be considered you know, our thoughts or our vision on anything. So I thought that was a great move. But now to see, I, I, I have a mixed feelings. Yeah. Part of my feelings is like, wow, the fight's done? Well, here's, here's the thing I want to say. Um, this, I kind of, at first I was like my, you know, in the back of your hair, on the back of your neck raises up. I kind of had, but now I kind of get, I'm kind of like, Okay, first step was they got Jay-Z. They brought somebody to the table that represents um, the culture, right? right? Then they, the NFL, and I do feel like this is a part of the part, like some of Jay-Z's influence internally is them basically did a settlement with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, the other guy who was kneeling with him. They, that, the, the amount of money that they received was never revealed, but I kind of feel like if Colin Kaepernick and the, the other guy who was you know with him in that journey settled then should we still be should people still be revolting i don't know i don't know i'm just well, that's my that's where i'm i'm divided because yeah. it's nice to see that people are trying to stand up in such um an organized society mm-hmm. uh however i feel like so we just need to throw money at the problem mm. so we just throw so are you saying that black people are easily bought? Mm. Because then now all of a sudden the gateways are open and we have everybody and their mother from the West Coast up in this this um, 
this damn Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, I would say, well, I, again, I love the lineup and I'm excited, obviously. I am too. But I am, but I, I have to, I don't know. I have to, 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 to kind of close. I think the third thing, so these are the first two things Jay Z, then they settled with Kaepernick, and finally, I think the third thing they need to do to really get me on board. Not that I'm a huge, you know, I, I watch the Super Bowl. That's as far as it goes. But I, you know, I, I appreciate what football means culturally. So I think the third thing that's missing, and I hope that they're working on that, is bringing ownership, is getting ownership into, like, African-American hands and not blocking and allowing and creating avenues for that to happen. That's when it's really, I'm going to be like, okay, this is it. This is like they're honoring they're honoring the partnership. And, and and that's the only time where this will feel okay for me, yes, too. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because right now it just feels like, hmm, so yeah. we were fighting for money or we we're fighting, like, what 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 really were we fighting for? And I, I just don't want to lose sight of that. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, yeah. All right, so we'll, that's the show. And obviously when that happens, we'll probably talk more about it and see how it goes. Yes. Um, although I just, that. one shout out before I move on to the final story. Um, just wanted to shout out Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar, uh, we already know, is a multi-award, Grammy Award winner, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize winner, and now a Super Bowl performer just in within a decade of his career. That is can you like, imagine? Can you imagine? So just shout out to him and can't wait for his uh, next album. Excellent! Um, <laughs> and finally, Miss Tina Turner, the one and only. Yes. You know, Proud Sally. Yes. Has, has I this this news? I'm you know has, she has reportedly sold her whole music catalog <gasps> to the PM, BMG record label for only sorry I have to say only for fifty million dollars. That's it. That's it. That's it. I am no, very boss. that is very sad to me because if she only sold a portion, even if she just sold a portion, that's low. But then I wouldn't be so feel so sad about it. But the reason I feel sad is because this is like desperate. That's like you sold your whole this, this Cadillac. Is the thing. Times are hard, bro. Times are hard. That's why you see everybody and their mother going in the Super Bowl. That's why you see her her selling her like I can't believe. But for that. Fi- I feel for her whole catalog, they could have added a zero and make that hot five hundred million, like fifty million. She should have walked away with at least a million, a uh, hundred million, at, at least, at least double, at least. I think that would have been if she's gonna sell. Okay, when you think about Tina Turner's music, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like people who would really appreciate that stops with us millennials. Mm. That would really appreciate Tina Turner and her legacy. Mm-hmm. I feel like it ends with us millennials. These mm-hmm. Gen Z, I don't think they're they're really interested in Miss Tina. I don't okay. really think I can I can rock right? with that. And so yeah. that's why I can say a hundred million walk away. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just for the time that we're in. But she, why is she's your whole the, no, legacy, yeah. Tina, if she's desperate, if she's des if she was desperate, at least a hundred million. At least. If she's desperate times, but eight fifty, I I I think that maybe five hundred million is too much mm. because of the time frame. Mm-hmm. Like if Tina Turner had any music that was maybe released in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. late two thousands, I could see the five hundred thousand, five hundred million, right? Yeah, but because of the 
Okay, but at least a hundred. A hundred. That's what I'm saying. A hundred, and not for the whole bloody thing either. Where right? I wasn't talking about the whole bloody thing. You should I keep say keep something. Half, half is a hundred. Yes. Okay, half is a hundred million. What you doing, but girl? Just like, but if broke. we go with that principle, if we go with that principle, then fairly, I think fairly, like you said, because the generation, the new generate, the younger generation is really is kind of more disconnected. At least, because remember, the, uh, this means any commercial, any movie. That's true. And there's so many things. It's not just That's rotation. Why I have, have. So I'm saying at least 250. I would think if she uh, 250, and then if she's desperate, you sell some, but keeps a couple for your family, your estate, and for the hundred million. But 50 million, this just feels like highway robbery. No, but you see now, now that we're talking, what I have to wonder is something up with Tina. That's okay. So that's what I was gonna get into. So we have to remember, she actually did a, a documentary last year on HBO. I've been meaning to watch. I didn't watch it because I just felt like it was gonna be so sad based on like you know what I've heard and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, with but, Ike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she, you know, Tina's 81 years old. She's battled cancers or she's battling cancer. Her son committed suicide a couple years ago. Mm. I don't know if she has any other children, but I definitely want, I think she might have one or two other kids, but I think she has, didn't she have four kids with Ike? Um, I feel like she has. I want to see how many kids she has. um, I feel like she does, you know, because I remember the Ike and Tina movie. Okay, and I remember I believe there was oh, four. Oh yeah, four. You're right. You are right. She had four children, and then one of them committed suicide a couple Jeez. years ago, and she was really devastated. As anybody who loses a child, no matter what age, just of course, yeah. So I think it was through suicide, um, and she was very de- devastated. And um, but the thing is, she does have children. It's not like she doesn't have children that she's not going to leave her estate to. and probably grandchildren. She's and grandchildren. And grandchildren. So. <laughs> So I feel like she should have at least kept something for her estate because now it's just dollars and bills. But all her her music catalog would li- catalog would live on and on generation over generation. So I think times I'm very surprised by this and very saddened. So I hope Tina's okay. Uh, something feels off. This doesn't feel something like a good. Something just feels off. This deal doesn't she, seem good to me. No, and I know that she knows her worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like she knows her worth. So yeah, I'm very cool. surprised to hear that. Um and fifty mil, you think that's gonna do you something? No, not with the not not at her level. Not exactly, because her lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, more money, more problems. So that fifty mil isn't gonna take her very far, even in for her old age. Like And I thought the man that she was married to was some type of billion millionaire slash billionaire, but anyway. Well maybe that's why. Who knows? We'll we'll see. Uh, it's very strange. So we'll, we'll look pay out. attention to that story because I that. love me some Tina Turner. So I don't know what's I'll going on. I'll be your Tina. private dancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to our next segment, which is um, lot of mercy. And um, this week, we're going to be talking about the whole Facebook drama. Facebook has been going through it. Mm -hmm. They've been going through it in this past week. And um, just for context, people who don't know, I feel like everybody should know this. But if you don't, Facebook owns, obviously, the Facebook social platform, WhatsApp. 
and mm-hmm. in, and Instagram. So um, earlier this week, it went down. Their platforms went down, and they were shut down for six hours. And it was explained. I kind of read up to see what exactly happened. So they said it was an error with their border gateway protocol, which is just some type of pathway for them to send data and stuff through their transfer data throughout their network or whatever. And so for security reasons, Facebook has had a very strongly, had to very, had to concentrate on their infrastructure Mm -hmm. and that streamlines things on a daily basis. But because everything is in the same place, when that one place has a problem, nothing works. So the way I look at that is if everything's internal, like some companies have third party servers. So if anything happens, say there's some type of shutdown here in Canada, if the servers are in like asia or somewhere in the u.s then things can kind of still go on but if everything's in one place and one thing goes wrong that was a result of what we saw everything gets shut down right so obviously not going to get very technical but we've seen shutdowns before but i think it was just really felt because first of all it went on for so long and second of all it was across three major platforms that people use to communicate Particularly, I would say people were the most alarmed with Instagram. So everybody was hitting up Twitter, blowing up Twitter with uh, what was going on. Something else that we need to take in consideration is the Senate has been talking to Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook officials um, regarding um, new reports that came out from a whistleblower. Her name is Frances Hogan, and she's a former Facebook project manager Mm -hmm. and she did a huge uh interview with 60 minutes kind of testifying on the social media's products that harm children they they start division social division and weaken our democracy so she went in front of the senate so funny all this happened around this whistleblowing like talking to the senate so the conspiracy theorists are saying, hmm, this was not, it might not be just a technical issue. <laughs> like, it's like saying, like, uh, the government tried to shut down Facebook. Pretty much. Well, that's mm-hmm. what the, cons- that's a conspiracy theory. I told you, I read out to everybody what their Facebook said happened, but I'm just saying the, the people, the people who wear tinfoil hats have a different theory. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just sharing, I'm just sharing what I've come across. So. Just to get back into the whistleblower before we really get down to it. Um, mm-hmm. So she, you know, so I said how she explained how the product harms children, starts division, and weakens democracy. So she detailed to Senate, and in her, her document, she said it's over tens of thousands of documents that she has shared um, with the, the press and with the U.S. Senate. And she details how Facebook's algorithm weights heavily on meaningful social interactions so that means content that generation generates strong reactions that has resulted in you know amplified divisive content on the platform fostering hate hate speech misinformation inciting violence and that includes recent ethnic violence you know, in the U.S., around the world, really. And um, also, because of this Senate meeting, Facebook has, the U.S. Senate has asked Facebook to pause their development of, they were creating an Instagram for kids. The age demo would be around 10 to 12 years old, based on what I looked up on the IG Kids um, development. But it's been paused, and I think the U.S. Senate has is strongly encouraging them to permanently stop. Like, don't even bother creating Don't that. do it at all. And um, and finally, uh, the documents revealed that Facebook executives 
had been aware of the negative impacts of its um, platforms on young users all along. So they've been aware. So around the election, I don't remember if around the election, they had put a lot of strict to, cu to curtail misinformation. They put a lot of um, protocols and things to curtail misinformation during the election. But mm -hmm. once the election was done, as this woman is saying, that those those restrictions and those boards and policies that they kind of put in to control the misinformation problem kind of lax, went lax, and they stopped um, doing it. And so basically she's accusing them of, you know, focusing on profit over responsibility um, with their... With their platform, and we've all known, like they, they have Netflix has a documentary called Social Dilemma. I didn't watch it, but I know what it's about. And I, I work in these platforms, so I know the algorithms and what they're designed to do. This is not; it wasn't nothing new to me. But basically, the algorithm is set up to incite, like I mentioned, a strong reaction. Like I could say, I don't use. I had a Facebook account. Mm -hmm. I don't go on it regularly. I just use it for work because you know, again, marketing. But I don't use it. I don't like how the algorithm works. I don't like what it pushes to me. I notice if I happen to go in on my feed, say, you know, for work, I'm like, oh, let me just go on the feed, even by accident. Mm -hmm. The first thing I notice, the post is always something like negative or something huge. It's like, or it's like something like a huge announcement, whether it's something negative where I, so I can give you an example. One of the times I went on in one of my old high school, high school classmates were be saying all this stuff about the quarantining and the lockdown and basically mm -hmm. like an anti-vaxxer and this like very negative stuff about what was going on with the shutdowns right mm -hmm. and i was like why is this feeding this to me like i don't want to you know that's not what i i came here to see i just happened to just click on the feed to see what's going on mm -hmm. but this is what the first thing you show me so and then it always reminds me what a dumpster fire that facebook is and i'm glad that i deleted the app off my phone that's right but i think it's what this is, like, obviously Facebook is nervous and going through a lot. I feel like Facebook is a tool that is still useful to society, but I do think it's harmful and they need to, like, relook at their algorithm. I don't feel like it's necessary for them. They don't need to do this. People are, millions and millions, billions of people are already on the platform. Why do you have to have this harmful algorithm in place to kind of push people's buttons, essentially? Well, and, you know, I don't have Facebook. You know this. Yes, and... I know. I have a question um, for you. I want to, I, okay, so can you share for your listeners why you decided never to join, if you feel comfortable? Um, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, anybody who really knows me, that's, they know that I'm not a Facebook person or yeah. a social media person in, in respects to Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Um, and the reason why, when f Facebook first came out, I was a young teenage girl, mm -hmm. a young teenage girl, and that would have been the thing to do, yeah. you know, to be to join and so on. But I just felt like it's a lot of information at that time yeah. when it was newly exposed to the rest of the masses that it was just too much information. Mm -hmm. It was just too personal. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can say you can block this person. You can make this private. You can set all of whatever you feel to set. But what you're not realizing is that the actual program, the actual site itself what it's doing to your psyche mm. and so back then I just thought this is really like too invasive for me yeah and I just didn't like it I didn't like the idea and then as time went on and Facebook got more and more popular 
I, you know, have heard many a stories, many a situations. You were right all along. Destroyed mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff off of Facebook. And I said to myself, this is the devil's playground right there, so <laughs> let me stay off, y'all. Yeah. No, but not only that, I felt like it was a big show and tell for grown-ups. Yeah. You know, it was a place where, you remember when you were in school and you'd bring the best toy that you had so mm-hmm. that you could show it off at show and tell? Well, now there's a platform called Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you, you're. I understand you're only going to put forth your best self. Yes, exactly. But that gives a misconception to everybody else that they have some sort of standard that has to be met, that only the best of the best could be on this program. Mm-hmm. And And for me... I just think that it lost sight of what its value is. And the value I could see in Facebook is connecting with people that are far away. Yes. That's the only thing that is Facebook that has, I could say, some appeal. That you can be here in, in Canada and I can converse with someone in the States as well as in Kenya, as well as in China and Japan. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah. That's great. We're, we're you know closing that gap. Yeah. However, we're also creating a big gap in the meantime by even being on it. Yeah. You know, um, it's not meant to be a social thing. Even when they call it a social network, I don't find it social. You're sociable with the people who are on the on the line typing away, but people are doing it at restaurants when they're eating they're doing it while they're at the movies they're doing it while they're standing right beside their significant other yes. they're on it while their children need help with their homework so that social aspect is is when you really think about it you're being secluded you're, you're being, not an- being, being social you're being antisocial i agree and i wanted to add to that where it's like the illusion is okay. It's social because you're connecting with all these people, but are these connections with meaningful? Are these meaningful connections? No, especially when you're only giving giving them your best representation of yourself. Which yes, if you're going for a, a job interview or if you're going to you know a loan at a bank, then yeah, present your best self. Mm-hmm. But when you're only giving me that portion of yourself, I don't know who you really are. Well, that's what and I on wanted top to say. Of that, you yeah. see, people will fake it and pretend to to have and be something that they're not, and and almost make it seem as though if you don't follow this trend, if you don't follow what I'm doing, if you don't have the house, the car, the clothes, the this, the that, that you're not anybody. Like you're not you're like what humanity is out the door because you don't have the same car I have. Like, and so for me, from a very young age, I've never gone on there. I've never, well, I wanted, I don't know what it looks like. I've seen it. You know, I personally don't have an account. I personally don't go on there on a day-to-day basis. And yeah, I might be considered, you know, strange or. No, well, I wanted to say. No, you say that now, but when I tell certain people, like quick story, Mm -hmm. I had an interview. Okay. And it was for the RCMP up here. Okay. Wow. And That's a huge one. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a good interview, but mm. I think they thought something of me mm. um, because they had a whole section of this application, which was about a 30 page document, Whoa. The, applica- the application, Yeah. which I already applied for online, mm-hmm. but I had to do it in writing. Like I had to do it face to face. 
So a part of this document, Mm -hmm. there was about three or four pages asking me for my social media, you know, names and am I on Facebook, Instagram, give them everything. Yeah. And I was like, N.A., N.A., doesn't apply, not applicable, sorry, Mm -hmm. and sorry. So they take a quick look over your application before you leave that first part of the interview process. Mm -hmm. And the girl looked at me like, "Mm, nah, (laughs) man, you're hiding something. Well, that's what it looks like. How do you not have Facebook? That's what it looks like. How do you not have Instagram? And I said, I really don't, I'm not interested in those platforms. I I don't see how they're valuable to me. And Mm -hmm. You know, I can connect with other people in other ways, Mm -hmm. you know? So she still looked at me like I was suspicious. Do you know I never heard from them again? Ooh, what do you mind? Never heard from them again. What was, okay, what was, was the role connected to social media in any shape? No, not at all. It what? no, not at all. Basically it was working for like, uh, the, the, their, their, their department that processes all the paperwork. Okay, right? yeah, but I think you're and right. I think your assessment is right. She probably was like, because it's so funny. She we- thought that, the, no, she mm-hmm. looked at me, Jeanette, mm-hmm. like say, <laughs> I was a criminal that applied for the position. You understand? Yeah, you're trying to cover something up. I'm trying not to. And I said, uh, all I have is this. And she looked at me like, that can't be. That can't be. And she's like, well, have you ever been? And then, then so once they're going through your actual uh, document the application process they talk to you briefly about certain points that I guess they're triggered to ask yeah and when I'm asked them answering the question she still looked in such disbelief and before I left she's like um I just wanted you to know that there's a, it's a three-step process mm-hmm. so this would be the first point the second point would be we'd have to come out to your house mm-hmm. and your home and see and investigate and see where you live. And cause it's for the RCMP, which I understand, right? Mm-hmm. I get it. But she made it a point when she was saying, we'd have to come out to your house. Mm-hmm. So would we be able to do that without a problem? Mm-hmm. I was looking at this head for like, girlfriend, I'm not a criminal just because I don't have flipping Facebook, like stop. <laughs> she, she treated me yeah. like I, was deranged. And so some people might think that it's very crazy not to have these different um, outlets, but I, I, I just don't never wanted to never had the desire to, I just felt it wasn't something that I really, really needed in my life. And I still don't. And as time has gone on, I can see you solidified, you made a good choice. So to wrap everything up there then is two things that you said that I, so you, like you said, at a young age, as a teenager, when Facebook was just coming out you already saw the intrusivity you saw it as a, an intrusive tool and it would inc- encourage encouraged oversharing which like you said resulted in a lot of drama like and i agree secondly another thing that you said is that um people present their best self so something that francis hogan said the whistleblower was that um it caused the harm that it causes to young people and and the harm that it causes is if all they see is positive if everybody's only putting their best self they put filters like instagram you put filters you do all these things and present like your perfect relationship your perfect children your whatever Mm. your perfect job that's all you're 
you're you're highlighting everybody's gonna think your life is perfect if you have sense you know no one's life is perfect you're not gonna exactly. buy you're not gonna buy into that but yeah but it's easy to buy it. but young especially when you're younger right so even she, as you're older because yeah some people it, some people older people buy into you're older right people older people buy into it to the point where they lose their entire family they yeah. they front and they floss then they attract another woman or somebody else's attention mm-hmm. that wants to give them all the likes in the world, mm-hmm. okay? And now they're addicted to that. Yes, yeah, And now they're so addicted that they're willing to take it offline and put it in person. Mm-hmm. And then they, and then before you know it, they're having affairs on their wife or they're having affairs with their, on their husband. I'm just saying, I have never seen Facebook have, uh, you know, a, a good success story. I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're they're out there, but I and then finally, I want to finish my thought here. What you're Sorry, talking yes, about present presenting people presenting their best self and to the world, and something that the documents that she shared is said that um, often uh, the internal documents and these this is research internal research that's done by faculties hired or uh, or Facebook research dollars that said that uh, teens reporting suicidal thoughts. So six and you know six percent of American users trace the urge to kill themselves to Instagram. So it's, you know, I think all her documents are supporting her argument that I mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. but these are, these are the dangerous things that are, are going on on those platforms and what we, you know, what we need to be aware of. I think if you're a critical thinker, mm-hmm. like I like to consider myself a critical thinker, I take everything that I consume on social media with a grain of salt, unless it's somebody coming from somebody that I personally know very well, not somebody I went to high school with, somebody that I talk to a few, you know, regularly. And that's mm-hmm. the only time I could really read something as authentic because I know that person personally and I stay in touch with them to know what their real story is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say people who consume, I would say watch the social dilemma because I feel like a lot of people don't understand how the algorithm works mm-hmm. and what it does pr- purposely to get engagement and action from you because at the end of the day... Um, Facebook is trying to make money and uh, people need to understand that just be cognizant of that and how you use the tool. And it, there's a lot of dangerous things that, you know, yeah, it could, subconsciously is- it could bring in some, some dangerous ideas and actions. So just to be cognizant and critical of everything that you see and do on, on these platforms. Yes, very much. So I think you gotta be careful. Um, now, I might seem very different from my views on it, but it, it's it's worked for me. So, you know, if being on those platforms work for you, then kudos to you. You know, I'm never going to judge anybody who's on there. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the majority no. of the population is. Yep. I'm the unicorn. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm okay with being the unicorn because it's kept my sanity and it's kept... All I want to say about that is be very aware that Facebook is a business. Nothing more. That's it. It's a business. And so it's going to operate as such. And so uh, Zuckerberg was very upset because he lost that $7 billion the other day. Oh, yes. That's what I forgot to mention. Shut down. $7 billion. They'll make it back. They already probably did. They already did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they probably already made it back. But I think uh, he sees a threat and um, it's not handling it very well, if you Mm -hmm. ask me. But... uh, Moving on, moving on to the call out. We have to go in at the call out, Jenna. It's the call out. Call out. 
you know, we ask each other on the spot questions, put each other in the hot seat. I didn't really think about this question too tough this week around because I had a lot of things on my mind. And I was like, I have to think of one question. Yeah. Holy mackerel. There's so (laughs) many things I could possibly ask. So I'm going to ask that my um, co-host, Jeanette, Mm -hmm. if you have your question, we'll start with you today. Sure, no problem. So, yeah, I I just went off the cuff this week, and I was going to ask you, what is one of your biggest pet peeves? Facey children. Oh, right quick. You had that answer already. Yeah, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I can't deal with it. Um, And here's why. Okay, so when I was... um, still going to school and uh, doing the school thing before I started my career, I needed a job. Mm-hmm. And so I started um, as a teacher's teaching assistant at a daycare branch and they had seven different locations in uh, the GTA. So I went to a variety of um, facilities and, you know, helped them out for, you know, week here, week there. And it was fun. But the one thing that I, I'm definitely positive about I cannot tolerate facey children. Mm. I'm sorry. When those little children started Ooh, to get facey let our, with me. L- let our listeners know what you mean when you say facey. When I say facey, it's just down out rude. Okay. Don't have no damn manners. Don't no, have no upbringing. No brought up seas. No <laughs> nothing. Okay. Come in the joint thinking from from like the earliest of like two or three that they're entitled to everything that they want. Okay. Um, and they don't mind telling you the grown adult about yourself. Okay. When I was working in the daycare system and stuff, that was the hardest part for me. Usually there was at least two teachers in a room. And whenever those children were going on like that, I would have to look to my coworker, like, you need to come deal with this. (laughs) <laughs> because the way I was raised, you want to get facey like that, you get one bossidon. But as a job and other people's children, obviously I couldn't do that. So with that experience and then now growing into myself, it's been something that I've seen rude and unmannered and unwell-behaved children and how rude and facey they could be. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I have to walk away before I take off my shoe and give somebody licks up in this place because it's it's one thing if your child doesn't know better, mm-hmm. you know, like they're they're still learning their manners, they're still trying. But it's it's another thing when they know what they're doing and their parents allow them to do those things. Because such as an example of what I'm saying, if you tell them no, you can't have that yet. You want to throw yourself down on the dirty floor like the Karen in that video, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to you want to yell and scream and kick and go on, or you don't want to say if I do end up giving it to you over. You don't want to say please or thank you. Those type of things I feel are very necessary in the society we live in. You have to have manners. You have to have brotopsy. You have to understand that. No, the world is not your oyster. Even if you have all the money in the world, not everybody can be bought. So, you know, that was one thing. I could go on and on for days. Yeah, no, but... but okay, so, yeah. No on, children. Yes. Everybody, don't bring your rude children around, Kim. Um. <laughs> I, just, I can't deal with it. Like, I, 
you know, God has been giving me guidance on that more. So I have more tolerance than I did a lot, you know, yeah, younger in my years. But now I'm just like, Lord Jesus, give me the strength to look at this child right here because <laughs> I just can't take it. Like, I feel like as children, when it just, it's a bad reflection on the parents when they're just disrespectful, rude, obnoxious, just facey. You know, I just can't. But go on, girl. Sorry. So my pet peeve is I don't really have a lot because I, you know, I, I try to keep good energy around me. But something, I guess, this top of mind, one of them is being rushed. I'm a Taurus, and we're notoriously known for going at our own pace. Yes, <laughs> so, so when I feel like somebody's putting haste on me, it's like my mm-hmm. whole... Again, my my hunches, my nerves roil up. My hunches, the hairs on my neck go up. It's like complete discomfort and irritation when I'm in a situation that I'm I'm rushed. It's like get me out of here. <laughs> it's like I I I will do it on my time. It's happening. Just don't rush me, please. <laughs> I could give you a quick example. So when I was living at home with my family, um. Like, if I had to clean or get ready to go to school or whatever like that, my mom would always say, you move slow. You're like, you're slow, slow. You move slow like a slow rowboat and everything. <laughs> she, that's her favorite saying. You move like a rowboat. That's to say, mm-hmm. you, you, you're not a jet. You don't have a motor in your boat. You're just, <laughs> you're just like, and I never really understood. Mommy, I love you. I love you, mommy. I never well. really understood what, she, I'm like, I'm just moving. How am I moving slow? I don't think I, I'm not, I don't have any physical challenges or disabilities i don't understand what she means when i'm slow but it wasn't until like i see like other people in my family that are tourists how they do things i'm like oh okay i get it it's like you're just you're just doing something like nothing else is going on like this is all that you're concentrating on you don't have to go you don't have nowhere to go you don't have anywhere to be you don't have anything else to do you're just concentrating on what you're doing and that's what it is so that's why i hate to be rushed I and you know what I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. It's like, uh, like just give me a chance. Like just <laughs> give me a chance. Um, yeah, my mom was like that too. If I had to get going and I had to get moving, she's just like, "You're too slow, man. You have to hurry up. Walk like you have life." Yeah, walk like you have life. Used to that one. <laughs> walk like you have life. Move, move like you have life. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, gosh, it's hilarious. But, you know, because I'm living, obviously, I'm standing there, right? Yeah. But I'm not moving like I have life, quote, unquote. (laughs) But you know what? Hey, I understand what she means now. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to tell you one more pet peeve. I'm not a negative person, listeners. Trust me. But these things... (laughs) She's not. She's great. (laughs) You know, like, they piss me off when it happens. And so one of them is, like, say you're walking to a door way, Mm -hmm. right? And someone is in front of you and they're walking like they don't have life. <laughs> like oh yeah. Like that's when you know what that means. You know <laughs> that's when you know like that phrase. A slow mo- and they're and you're trying to get around them, but you can't. So 
they're in front of you and walking like a sloth. And you just want to say, like, walk like you have life. Like, step, let's step to it. Yeah. Yes. So I, I do understand what my mom was saying to me all those times. Because there's times where I'm put in that situation and I'm like, do you have life? You need life. Come on, walk like you have life. But anywho, here's my question. Okay. How would you measure measure success how i measure success what like what would that measurement be for you a measurement of success this, oh this is a, this is such a this is a really broad question measurement of success i'm going to make your life harder measurement of success in terms of what is it just work this life in anything, general anything whatever you deem to be successful so i'll answer the question to give you a chance so for me, when I measure uh, success, I look at not money or, or house and car. Mm-hmm. I look at my connections with people mm-hmm. and how they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, like connections with my family, with my friends, you know, are they growing? Are they, you know, are, are we moving forward in a, in a nice pace? Mm-hmm. Or are we at a standstill? So I guess, you know, especially when you're thinking of like uh, relationships with others for me are very important. I'm very family oriented. Um, I like to be connected to my small group of people. Um, Over the years for me, there's been a lot of people that have kind of left that inner circle, um, whether forced out or Mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm. but they left and my core is strong and I feel like I'm a successful person based off of like what they would say of me that core those core people like she's a kind person or you know she's a good mom or things that so that's how I would measure my success because it you're always growing mm-hmm. you're always well at least I try to yeah. continuously grow I don't like to just be on a standstill right so I feel like I'm as successful in my life mm-hmm. when I have healthy, great relationships with people because a car, they could come and take it tomorrow. Of a course. house, they could come and take it tomorrow. They don't take what you have relationship wise. You know what I mean? Like somebody could move halfway across the world, but I can still be very connected to you and still talk like I don't see you all the time Jeanette but our relationship is great Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so I feel like sometimes those relationships that I have with people and how they would look at me yeah that's something I would measure success with okay and I I agree with that um I think in this scenario the example that you're using yeah it should be about the relationships that you have and if somebody were to go to somebody that you're, you're friends with or even like a, a work coworker that you're with regularly and you have a decent relationship, um, if they just have good things to say about how I treat them and how I interact with them, that's, that's, that's successful. Um, also for me, I think in general, I would just say anything. Success is if I set out to do something and it happens, any whichever shape or form, that's that's success um right but yeah i would say relationships relationships and meeting goals i think that's just to keep it short and sweet that's pretty much Mm -hmm. it but some people don't 
you know, I have a, in my family, mm-hmm. we have a very successful uncle. Yeah. And at times those relationships or he seems to measure success on money. And I don't know if, you know, the, I, whatever measurement you're going to use changes by your gender. Mm, yeah. I think that's that too. I think that it could, yeah. you know, um, but his focus is really on doing well is having the money, having the big house, having the car and the, but you know, that's why I asked that question is because some people have different ideas of what success should look like and how this is successful over that because this is money and that's not. Mm-hmm. Or for me, it's the reverse. I, I like to have relationships that are successful and and give me an idea of who I am. Because we can we can say we don't care what people think, but that's a lie. And yeah. yeah. You know, the people who you choose to be in your core, like in your center of who you are and how you choose to live your life, those people are going to want the best for you. Mm-hmm. And so I take their opinion, very, like they're valuable to me, you know, mm-hmm. um, but people who are not in my core, they can call me whatever the hell they want. I yeah. give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really couldn't care less because you're not, you don't know me. You don't, mm-hmm. you're not in that situation to actually know me. So moving on mm-hmm. we are going to go into the workout yes this is where we work out our hearts and exercise our mental fitness we do a deep dive discussion on issues that are impacting our culture you know in the past few weeks or you know just issues in general and so today we are going to talk about generation resignation. Yes. And listeners, let me tell you what I mean by that. In the last little while, I'd say in the last maybe few years, maybe specifically with this pandemic, there is like, you know, a giant amount of people who are just quitting their jobs. <laughs> like they're just quitting yeah. their jobs and moving mm-hmm. on to other, you know, um, areas or industries such as retail and fast foods. Mm-hmm. So we're noticing that older, older millennials, I'm one of them, and so is Jeanette, mm-hmm. and Gen Zers are, are, are they're turning to alternate employment, not the, I guess, society's um, idea of what a good job would be. Mm-hmm. And um, why? We need to ask ourselves why. Why, why do you think this is? Why do you think this is that people are feeling the need to just, you know, the typical idea of what a good career was, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a veterinarian, all these big, big, you know, teacher, whatever. But people are saying, nah, mm-hmm. not about that, fam. I'm not about that. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find me a Mickey D's, B. <laughs> like, so why do you think this is, Jeanette? Why do you think this is? Um, Let's discuss that. Let's get deeper into this. I think there's a lot of reasons. I think before I put my personal spin on it, um, a couple of reasons is that, so they said, uh, so Harvard Business Review said the highest resignation res- rates are among mid-career employees. So like you said, older millennials, especially skewing a little bit older, and many individuals in this range have recognized the increased leverage they have as a demand for remote work increases 
and the risk of uh, bringing on new hires are, are greater. Another reason employees are quitting is timing. Many continue to see this as an opportunity to transition to new jobs, like you mentioned, Kim. Um, due to a long, they already felt like that. Right. So before the before the pandemic, they probably were having an inkling. Uh, so a pre-pandemic Gallup poll found that sixty percent of U.S. employees were disengaged at work, and fifty percent were actively looking for a new job and were open to new ones. So that tells you that there was a large part of the workforce that was already considering to change anyway. But because you know we had this whole lockdown, quarantine, whatever, people for security reasons, people stay just to kind of wait it out. So now that things, you know, the vaccine is here, everybody's getting vaccinated. Think the world is there's some positive. Where the world is expected to open up within the next couple of years, right? And so it's uh, these people are now making those moves. I think. And also another thing, okay, so that's the, that's what the report, that's what statistics and surveys are saying. But for me, if I just think about it, on top of what people were thinking during the pandemic, it's just like our generation and younger, okay, not older, but the, our generation younger understands that mm-hmm. you come first. If you that's are going right. to, you come first, your well-being, your worth, your value always comes first. And I think a lot of companies are managed by a generation older and they're still in that old school mentality Mm -hmm. where, you know, you treat the employee just what you say goes. And that's not how it works. Like in the culture that not for our generation and younger, which is good when you have progressive companies such as Salesforce or something like that, where they make sure they show that they value their employees no matter what level. They try to be as accommodated as possible. They try to work with you. It's not what we say goes, and or maybe if it is, at least they're giving you a lot of flexibility. Right. And and and, and salary. Let's not front. Let's not front. Your Let's compensation. Just put it there. The compensation put is it there. worth is worth the trouble. So if you're gonna give people trouble, make make the trouble or the work worth their time the value show value i think the word i I, i'm really gonna stick to with this is value and the relationship like it's a give and take at the end of the day it's a give and take you're giving them something and they're and they're compensating you for it right Mm -hmm. but i think you still need to value me as a human being you need to value Mm -hmm. my you know what i bring to you and um, I think that's a huge thing. Even on in social media, I, I see a lot of it. It's terrible. A lot of people are just um, leaving. And I think just before I move on, and like you said, food services, hospitality, and retail trade is where that you see the most significant in terms of industries. But in terms of who I talk to, my friends and family, it's every industry where it's happening. What's your experience with it? Well, so far, I I, I can say that there is a shift that I've been seeing that's going from this typical quote unquote good job mm-hmm. to no, I'm going to go, I'll flip the burger. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to flip the, flip I'm the burger and drop the fries mm-hmm. because they don't, it's not as stressful. Yeah. That's the shift that I've seen is that people, or not even just flipping the burger or even being a part of Uber, Uber eats yeah. or delivery or things like that, where, there's that flexibility. On top of that, you kind of set your own speed mm-hmm. and how you want things to go for your life and for your schedule. Um, I see the move, the shift happening that way. But I also see it happening in all different 
industries here yeah. in Ontario. What I do see that the pandemic has done, it it's shown people that we need to take care of self. Yeah, yep, that's what it comes we down to. We need to take care of self. And it's very important to take care of self. And we, you know, we're a part of Ontario, Canada, where we work like dogs here. We literally work like dogs. Anybody who, who I've ever come in contact with, worked with, been around who's from like, say, Europe, mm-hmm. and they come here. I remember I worked with a girl many years ago, and she <clears throat> lived in Italy. She was born in Canada, but she went abroad to Italy to do her degree and so on. Mm-hmm. And when she came back, she was now an adult. And she's like, you guys work like dogs. Mm-hmm. You guys work all the time. Like, you work to work. Mm-hmm. That's all you do. You work to work. There's no break. There's no living. There's no life. There's just work to work. That's mm-hmm. it. And um, I, I could see that. And, and she didn't last very long mm. at the law firm that I was working at at the time because she couldn't keep it to, she's not on that 24 hour yeah. treadmill that keep ro- going and going. And mm-hmm. so here we're trying to eliminate stress. A lot yes. of yeah. people are trying to eliminate stress. Stress kills, whether you want to believe it or not, it does. you can go do your homework and see that stress kills. It causes a variety of ailments in the body. And if we're trying to work so that we can take care of ourselves, a part of that would be to eliminate the stress that is causing your body breakdown. Mm -hmm. And people are trying to find ways so that they're not on this continuous treadmill, just going and going and going. They want to come off the damn treadmill. Mm -hmm. So if that means I'm not going to take a stressful job, I'm going to work somewhere that, you know what? I could get it anywhere. You could go work for any, any, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, this burger joint. You could, you could be delivery for whoever, you know what I, like it, there's no pressure mm-hmm. on you particularly. Mm-hmm. The stress is at a minimum, you know? And so I see that happening, but I want to speak specifically to my generation and what I was talking about was a variety of ages. It wasn't just myself. I'm talking about people younger than me and older than me. Mm-hmm. But I want to focus on millennials because that's where I can see um, a big shift happen for many years now. Not just today or the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But we value ourselves and we know we know. Mm-hmm. We know we know. We know that we are valuable. We know that we have knowledge. We yep. know that we can get better. We know that we're valuable. And so we're not going to do for less. Quick story. So my last year of, uh, I went to university and then I went to college and I just didn't get enough schooling. So I went so to So I want to uh, oh, show the, the difference for our U.S. listeners. So there's university, but when yes. she says college, she means community college. That's correct. So I finished my degree and then I wasn't done there. Had to go right back into the nonsense, but I went and and to college. And, uh, my last year of college, I was in this computer class that, you know, is for legal documentation. And she was telling us a bit about herself. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that for the first 10 years of her career as, you know, a law clerk, she went from firm to firm, to firm, to firm. She would stay two years here, two years here, two years here. Because by the two-year mark, first, you know your job within the first year. The two-year mark, you can go to them and say, no, I deserve 
a, a, a great raise, mm-hmm. not the standard of living, the, a great raise. And whenever that point came up and she didn't get what she wanted, she left until she got what she wanted. And by time she came, there was a part-time job, her teaching us. But by time she got to where she was going, she was making the ceiling cap at a very young age where some people would have to be there for 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. She made it coming in the door because she was good at what she did. She knew, her she knew that she was good at what she did and she wasn't willing to sell herself short. Mm-hmm. So if that meant that, yeah, she has to explain in an interview from time to time why you did two years here and then you did two years here and then you did two years. Overall, the explanation was I'm valuable and I know I am. So who's willing to pay me for my services? And I took away from that. She had a lot of education. She had experience and she wasn't willing to just take peanuts because that's what they're offering her. She was willing to take the risk. She was still relatively young. She was, she was willing to take the risk and move until she got to where she wanted to be. And she got where she wanted to be. And she was walking in the door at the same income as someone who was working there for 10 years. So that shows you something, that you have to value yourself. And so when we say the generation resignation, mm-hmm. they're saying, you don't give me what I want. Bye. Because businesses, whether we want to believe it or not, they can pretty it up as much as they want. But we are replaceable. To them, we're replaceable. They can put another person in your position and pay them less or pay them the same and and go on with their business. When you walk away from a job, the place doesn't just shut down. They don't just, oh, well, now we're bankrupt because you left us. No, they go on, right? So they're out for their bottom line and you should be out for yours. And when you're providing a service, because that's exactly what you're providing is a service, they should pay you accordingly, Mm -hmm. you know. But unfortunately here in Canada, you know, um, there's a lot of underground, I think we call it polite racism. You and I could both go to a job interview and there be people around us that are either that are either a major a majority race, such as someone who's white, or it could be a man. A man, yeah. And nine times out of ten, they'll get paid more than you will. Bottom line, but it's just the way it is, unfortunately. So you have to find ways to go around that. Until the top tiers of these companies or these businesses start to you know phase out where they retire and we start to get new blood up in those spots it's going to be like this because people see that they're not being valued so they're not going to stay around they're not going to stick around and a lot of people would say you know what it's not worth the stress so i will go to mcdonald's because guess what i do my little job i do my little you know i clean up here and do this and drop my fries and i'm gone or i do my uber i from this time to this time i get my money and i'm gone i'm done i can wash my hand of it mm-hmm. you know i don't have to feel undervalued yeah so I said value. Value is the key word, I think, in both those examples that you shared. Uh, I think we we know our value and um, we're not going to accept, we're not going to be shortchanged. That's what no. it comes down to. And why should we? No. Mm-hmm. And one last point I wanted to make on that was those people in the top tier, 
Now, some people are going to hear me say this, and I know that we have listeners that are a little bit older than millennials and stuff. But here in Canada, we don't have a retirement age cap. You can be all 75 and work in the same job. There's new and upcoming people. Our society around us is changing. But the people who are holding these jobs down that are 75 and, you know, even 70, 80 years old, they're not thinking of how things are done now. They're thinking of how things have always been done. And so it's hard for them to see at times the value behind their staff. Back then, you got a job, you went to it, you worked your ass off, you retired from it, you moved on. Now we're saying, no, I'm not going to just expect you to pay me peanuts. So what? I don't have no parking spot? So wait, hold on. Can we get a vending machine? Is there no coffee in this joint? Like, <laughs> do I get it? Like, what's my vacation package saying? Like, what, what, what's up? Like, what's good? Okay. Back then, there was no question of it. There was no demand of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was sad because depending on your the color of your skin or your gender, your gender, mm-hmm. you know, you could get paid significantly lower and someone standing beside you is doing the same job and getting paid double what you're making. Mm-hmm. Cause there was no asking. There was no, Hey, how comes, or no, I deserve a raise. Or if you're going to give me more tasks and more roles and responsibilities, well, then that means I should be getting a raise. Right. Um, there was no questioning. It was, you worked, you worked hard, you retired. But I think there was a, there was a shift uh, where millennials started to see that the loyalty thing mm. doesn't work. It doesn't work. In your favor. It's not in your favor. Not, well, not with the old way of thinking. If I think if you're, you know. Well, if the, if the top bosses or the people who are making these decisions yeah, most in your of the company time. or business, yeah. they are the old heads. Yeah, some so some of the more old school companies. Exactly. Yeah. But now you see this, uh, this, this um, switch where... A lot of those old heads are retiring, so the young bucks can come up in that position and be more innovative and be more progressive in thinking. So it helps now that things are starting to change and those people are starting to retire, which some people might not like what I, that I said that. You don't have to retire. That's why we don't have a retirement age here. You can work until you're, you, you want to work until you're dead in the ground, good for you. Okay. However, what you're, you're not realizing is that our society is getting older. We need the young people to stay around, to keep our economy going. Mm -hmm. We cannot just rely on that old 80 year old mindset anymore. When the world that that 80 year old mindset is living in is well beyond its years. Mm -hmm. So we need to make a shift. And so it is slowly happening. You can see more and more millennials coming up into those positions and changing things. Or starting their own company. Or starting their own businesses, which is even better. Mm-hmm. You can be your own boss. There definitely, there definitely is uh, something to be said about those older people have, having to come out of those positions. Yeah. They need to come out of those positions so that us young people can make a difference in a company to where... A young person like myself will want to stick around. 
because they are willing to be flexible. They are willing to pay you. They are willing to give you, you know, great benefits. They are willing to give you three weeks or four weeks vacation to start. They are willing to say, okay, we understand if you're a single mom. We understand if you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They are willing to do that. So times are changing around us, you know, and we have to stay up with the time. You don't want to get left behind. It, it, that's just the way that the world is turning. You know, and if you think about how life cycle goes, you know, eventually the old will have to come out and the young will have to take over. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a continuous cycle. Um, and so I, I, for myself, I know my value. I'm willing to put up with a lot. But when you start to test my value, like if I come in and I say, listen, hey, you know, I've been working for you for a while now every year I just get the standard of living and here, here's why I, I believe I should get more. If you laugh me out the room. Yeah. I'm going to give you my resignation two days from now. Like I'm, I'm going to type it up, make it look pretty. You know, <laughs> put it in a nice as you, with your name. As you it. should, as you should. So I think again, know your value listeners. And that's how, you know, I would like to cap it out. It's like yes. the, great, the great resignation is happening I mean, the thing is, I saw the patterns, but it wasn't until I was talking to a friend of mine where she's saying it's happening in every industry. And I was like, oh, but I think it does come down to people wanting to be somewhere where, first of all, value. Second of all, like you said, peace of mind. You want to don't want stress shouldn't be associated. You shouldn't be stressed all the time at work. It made some things happen, but in general, your employer should be trying their best to make it be a mm-hmm. mental. You could be mental health is really important. So, your and employer- one last thing I wanted to say about that. Sorry to cut you, but I, before mm-hmm. we go, mm-hmm. was that knowing your value is not just based off of what the job description is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to put that out there because a lot of people seem to think, well, you know, I have the degree check, I have the this check, I have the certificate. No. Your value comes from more than that because when you go to a job, they want to see that you fit the entire culture. Yeah, culture fit. Very important. They want to see because you could be super duper smart. You could be great at your job. But if you can't partner up with people, if you can't have an assignment and work on it with somebody, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. I I just want to put that out there that it's not just what's on the paper, people. You know, that you check all the boxes. You have to be able to fit because people will let you go if you can't fit. So when you're resigning from one job and you're going into another, make sure that you're able to fit in that system. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing. Anywhere you go, make sure something I do that helps sometimes is if you're exploring opportunities, look at, read their culture. Most big, okay, well, I don't know, smaller companies who don't have a website, I'm not sure what to say about those, but larger companies who have a website, they will usually have a mission statement or something to express what they're about, what they believe in, and, and what their, their culture is. And always look at that before you even apply. It's true. Um, keep that in mind. But I think everybody... Know your value. Yes. Put your mental health first. Yes. And third, don't be shy to speak up for yourself. Don't ever sell yourself short. Yeah. Don't ever do it because you're just as valuable as the next. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, everybody, we hope that your hearts and your minds were activated on this week's show. 
Whether you lead with your heart or your mind, stay passionate and thoughtful, everyone. We will talk to you next week. Can't wait. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you.